Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 107 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk to Phil Decker, who has a very inspirational story. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners welcome to episode 107 hey daddy hey ryan how's it going pretty good it's a rainy night it is a rainy night it's friday june 3rd and i guess a cyclone a tropical storm is hitting florida as we speak but luckily, my computer is charged and we don't need any internet for this, just in case uh, it turns dark here in a minute. It's a small storm in Florida standards. It is pretty small. It's just been raining all day. How many inches? I have no idea. That's what she said. <laughs> anyway, we are Ryan and Letty. We have a weekly marathon running podcast where we bring to you experts when it comes to training, nutrition, mental fitness, and inspiration. Last week, we had a podcast with Meb Kefleski. Everyone knows Meb. He took the time to talk to me, which was awesome. And today, we have an equally inspiring person on our podcast, which is Phil Decker. What are you going to talk about with him? So Phil has been a runner in uh, mutual running groups for a few years now. I've been seeing him. He runs Boston frequently and shares his training. This year, in January, unfortunately, he was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer, and he has a very positive mindset and is beating this thing. And so we talk about his diagnosis, how he found out, how he continued training through the marathons, how he's still getting treatment and still running and getting better every day, and how he's using his new platform to spread the message and started an organization, which is called tell five friends. I'm sure you get into what that means. Yes, but I can tell you anyway, real quick. It's uh, basically if every person that hears about his story tells five friends, five people over the age of 45 to remind them to get their colonoscopy done, which is what the insurance in the United States approves at age 45, then there'll be less colon cancer. Absolutely. Yeah. Because early detection is key, as you know. It's true. So it's interesting and relatable is in many places, there are many, many studies have been done about exercise and cancer and the fact that exercise decreases your risk of cancer. So it is directly related to the running and the running community because it's a way of, I guess, lowering your risk. Yeah, you've read some interesting studies online just a minute ago. Can you maybe share with our audience a couple of things that you just found? Because you did a little bit of research on how exercise or particularly running affects people and the likelihood or percentage to be able to avoid cancer. Maybe you can share that. 
So information that I found shows that moderate to vigorous exercise can decrease your cancer risk. And that was defined as like exercise that makes you sweat or your heart beat faster. But some of them are quite significant. Like they actually have colon cancer as one and you could potentially have a 40 to 50% decreased risk of cancer if you do vigorous exercise compared to those that don't exercise regularly or breast cancer can be 30 to 40% even. Um, Obviously, it's not a way of complete prevention, but anything that can improve your chances is good. Even if you've had cancer, you know, exercise has benefits too, just to like, you know, minimize recurrence or to also keep your body in shape for able to be as strong as it can be. Exercise in a lot of ways has a lot of promise, I think, for health and in multiple ways. And we're finding out more and more that it's beneficial. So it's relatable to this podcast and running because it's a good way to motivate you to run more and to encourage others to run on top of all the other benefits that can be from exercise. Yeah. So even just like you just said, if you already have a diagnosis of cancer, it can help you to stay active and continue exercising because you could reduce the reoccurrence. So I found that very uh, pertinent for this episode particularly basically there's no reason not to run no there is but there's no reason to (laughs) there's a lot of reasons to run there are some reasons not to run if you if you can't for whatever reason and you can find your own exercise or your own outlet but if you have the ability there's a lot of benefits to doing running especially also from a mental perspective right because if you're going through something really hard the running community is there for you yeah, that's a good point. There's a lot of there's a lot of benefits that are to exercise that are difficult to quantify exactly, you know, mentally being part of that too. Um so I think if we could quantify a lot of that stuff, it would show evidence that it would be beneficial, but it's just difficult to do so. Yeah, I mean, at this point in life, I can't even imagine life without running or life without marathon races kind of spread out throughout the year because I feel like what else do you have to look forward to? Even if you love your job, it's nice to have a vacation to look forward to or a marathon. I mean, is there anything else people can look forward to in life? That's always a hard thing. I mean, that kind of relates in a way too to the today's topic is, you know, people's perception on their their life, their quality of life or anything else can be very different to their reality. You know, there can be people in dire situations that have a very positive outlook on life and there can be people in perfect health and perfect, you know, future potential have a very poor outlook on life. So it's interesting, but I think exercise, as we talked to another podcast, seems to help with mood, helps with mental parts of it too. So it certainly can help in that situation or in either one of those situations, I guess. Find it very inspirational that when people can have that positive attitude, you know, with the headwinds of other struggles in their life, whether whatever it might be, it's really inspiring to see someone that can continue with that positive attitude and is motivating, I think, too. Oh, yeah. Just from my short conversation I had with Phil, it's crazy how motivating he is without even wanting to. Because I guess it's not like you make the choice to be depressed when you have a diagnosis like that. But for him, it's kind of like there's two ways this could have gone. You're either sad 
and kind of shut down, which I feel like I probably would fall into more so. But what he does is he takes all of his energy and supports the cause and then starts an organization to prevent other people from getting cancer and puts the word out. And that's really beautiful. Yeah, I mean, if you're in that situation, you have every excuse possible to be miserable in your life or to anything else and people would understand it. And to to not have that and to be positive and to be move on and enjoy is like really inspiring. And Yes, I feel like he has a love for life. And honestly, he was much harder to track down for an interview than Meb Kifleski. <laughs> He's got <laughs> constantly stuff going on with his family and this and that. So I'm glad he squeezed me in. And are you ready to listen to my conversation with Phil? Yes. All right. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Phil Decker. All right. So I'm here with Phil Decker. Phil, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, great. Great to be on. Thanks, Letty. So for our audience on the runners that don't know you, can you please tell us who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Phil Decker. Um, I currently live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I grew up in Indianapolis, went to... Um, Went to school, Colorado State, got a four-year degree. Um, I have a wife, two awesome daughters. I got a 16-year-old daughter and 13-year-old daughter. Uh, one of them is a dancer and one of them is a gymnast. Um, and I, I, I've been in athletics my whole life. I enjoy sports. I love the outdoors. Um, I, you know, I just live a. I mean, I hate to say it, and you know, I got my golden retriever at my feet. I guess I just live a typical American life where I have two kids and, you know, a wife and a couple of dogs. And um, I try to enjoy my life as best I can. Um, I have a, uh, I, I run a, um, I run a big janitorial firm. Um, I run sales for them and been with them for about eight years. And um, yeah, hopefully that covers this, the, the basics. <laughs> that was, that was very good. I like uh, how you alluded to the typical American life, because I guess you, you did reach that American dream that we're all yeah. striving for. <laughs> Something like that. Right. <laughs> right. But you had, uh, you experienced a pretty big setback at the beginning of the year. Maybe you can tell our listeners what happened. Sure. And, I'll, and since this is a running podcast, I'll, you know, I'll go a little bit farther back from the beginning of the year. Um, so I go in for my annual physical in October and I go in for my annual physical about two weeks before Boston. And um, my uh, my my general practitioner, she's not only a friend of mine, but she's also a runner, which is always good. Um, and she says she's never once, you know, she gives me blood tests, but she's never once said, hey, Phil, you need to go take this test or you need to go do something. And so she made a very, a, a very big point of telling me, Hey, I'm 46. The, uh, the colonoscopy, the, 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 um, the, the, the colonoscopy rules have changed and you should now get your colonoscopy at 45. Um, and you know, she said, I understand we're not gonna do it before Boston. I mean, schedule it after Boston. And to be quite honest with you, at the time, had you know all I'd really heard about a colonoscopy, there wasn't really a whole lot of fun. Um, and my thought at the time was, I'm getting ready to run the Boston Marathon. I'm in a great shape. I feel great. Do I really need this? You know. And I asked her, and she said, Well, you know, she she was adamant that I that I get this colonoscopy. Um, and you know, she was adamant that I didn't wait till till I was 50 because just six months before 
um, we are having this conversation in October, and this is October of 2021. Um, it had been 50. Um, so I get back from Boston. Have a, was my first Boston. Um, had a really fun time. I kind of took everybody's advice and just soaked it all up. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't perform maybe as well as I would have wanted, but I had an awesome time. My quads were shredded at mile 16. Um, anybody that's ran Boston, I'm sure understands that. I was kind of a little disappointed in my performance and I knew I was going to, you know, I was, I'd qualified for April and I wanted to run April again. Um, so I go and get a coach. Um, I use Kim Conley with McCurdy train. She's, she's, uh, she's a former Olympian and the 5,000 meter and 10,000 meter. And um, it turns out, I think everything happens for a reason, but it turns out not only is she an unbelievable runner, but she's an unbelievable person. Um, so we have a great speed session. I'm, you know, I feel, I'm just feeling great. We, we do eight weeks of speed work after about two weeks rest after Boston feeling awesome. Um, I go down to Florida for, uh, for Christmas break and with my family, you know, we're kind of coming out of COVID. So people are starting to feel like life is getting a little better. Right. You know, and I'm feeling really, I'm feeling really pretty good about life. My got a great job. I got great kids. I got a great wife. You know, things, things are going really well. Um, I, uh, I ran on a treadmill. I did my 5k, you know, kind of the set up my training program, see where I was at. Um, I didn't start running until I was 40. So I, I ran my fastest 5k to that point, which is 1845. And I, I felt, I mean, I just felt really good. Um, so I have a routine colonoscopy scheduled for January 5th. Um, and I go in for my routine colonoscopy that morning and I did the prep the night before. And, um, Quite honestly, I thought, wow, this this isn't a whole lot of fun. <laughs> and I, I go in there and I have to get there about six in the morning. I have my colonoscopy, um, just thinking it's just going to be routine. And I'm going to get it done and, you know, I'm going to move, move on with my life. And um, I come out of the recovery room and um, I've been in sales for my whole career. So, I, you know, reading people is, is it's what I do for a living. And after I kind of came to... The first thing they said is, hey, we need you. We want you to go see our oncology. Um, and I thought, well, that's not a real good sign. And then they, then they gave me some paperwork and they said, and after you see her, we're going to send you down to get blood work. Um, and my wife really hadn't clued me in and on, you know, really the conversation that she had been having with them during the recovery. But they kept asking me, you know, do you have any symptoms? Have you had any blood in the stool? Have you had any major bloating? I mean, there have been times where you, you know, where you've had, where you've had things that, you know, would indicate that you're having some distress in your, in your, in your GI. Um, and I hadn't had anything. I, I mean, I honestly, I, I felt, I felt really good. So we sit down with this oncology counselor and I'm literally an hour out of surgery. Um, and, you know, she, she's talking to me and she says to me, um, she says, well, you know, tomorrow after we get your results, you're, we're going to be, you're going to be a survivor. And I, and I thought, what do you mean by that? You know, I'm kind of blown away at this point. Right. Um, and I said, what do you mean by that? You know, she, and, and, and then she kind of backtracked off that. And this person is actually this, this oncology counselor has became a great friend of mine. Um, she's been awesome to you. But at the time I'm thinking to myself, my God, I just got out of a colonoscopy. I'm sitting down. Why is this happening? Right. And I'm thinking to my, you know, I'm adding two and two together and I'm like, they had to have seen something. There's no way they're sending this in for a biopsy. You know, this guy's seen a million colons, he probably knows cancer when he sees it. And I'm, I'm, and I'm sure that he, he obviously, he, he did. 
Um, so next day I get out, um, I, they call me, they get the biopsy results. Um, they say, Hey, you know, Phil, it's definitely, it's definitely cancer. Um, you have a large mass in your colon. I have about a four to five centimeter mass in my colon. Um, and then we, you know, they send me in for CTs and, and then I get my, um, MRI IV. And, um, so at that point I thought, you know, even at that point, we thought it was still in the colon. So I have, I have my CT scan. They, they see some spots on the liver and, um, they've actually, this is about a week later. They had actually already scheduled my surgery to have the colon cancer removed. I'd met with the surgeons and they're just like, Hey, you know, we're going to do some extra tests. We just want to make sure things that these liver spots that we're seeing aren't just water. Um, so they did the MRI IV and they confirm, you know, and then I get the call and they say, Hey, we're really sorry. We're going to cancel the surgery. Um, this is th there are seven spots on your liver that are greater than a centimeter, and that changes how we're going to approach this thing. Um, and that was a little scary, to be quite honest with you, because that it, that that upped the ante. I went from stage two to stage four in a matter of matter of seconds. And um, you know, I'm 46, and when you grow up, you you, you think of stage four. Um, and it's not a, it, you know, I don't anyone to, to misunderstand this. It is not a death sentence, but you think of it and you get, you get awful nervous, right? You, you, when somebody says you have stage four cancer, it's not, um, it's not a great, it's not a great, it's not a great deal at that point. Right. Especially going from being healthy to, Hey, all of a sudden I'm in the, I'm in the fight of my life for sure. Um, at that point we made a decision. Um, I, I, started calling everybody I knew. I had a friend that, that knew somebody at Mayo. Um, he got me into Mayo very quickly. Um, I go to Mayo uh, to get a second opinion. Um, they do a biopsy on my liver. They confirm the spots uh, that have cancer in my liver and my colon. Um, and then they make a plan to do chemo and then to do a surgery. Um, my original surgery, they thought they were going to do it at the beginning of June. Um, so I go through about five weeks, you know, as soon as I get back from Mayo, which is January 25th, um, I want to say February 1st, right in that range, I start, um, I start five rounds of chemo. Um, and then the idea is after that, that I'll get my scans and we'll see where we're at and we'll have surgery. I go through my first round of chemo. I just want to kind of tell you about this because I think it's an important part of the, part of the story. It's, it's kind of interesting. I go through the first round of chemo. Really wasn't all that bad, but at, at the first night, about three in the morning, I get this stabbing pain in my, um, basically, you know, in, in my stomach. And I thought, man, I mean, and literally I woke up, I went from pain level of one to 10 um, and I was sweating and I was almost going to you know pass out and I had to get my wife out of bed. I said, you know, I had to hold your hand and then it just, it just went away. Well, I call, you know, there's like a, a number that you could call if you're having issues. And I called him and they said, hey, you know, we think you're just anxious from it's your first chemo, right? So the second time it happened, I go through the second round and it starts happening for, it happens basically three or four times. I have this sharp five-minute pain. Um, and then they think it's it's gas buildup. And I'm like, hey, you know, I, I really don't think it's that. I've, I've had a major, I had a, ma when I was 22, I sliced, in a, sliced a, a nerve in my L5. Uh, so I've had some trauma in my body and I've had some major pain. And I said, you know, this doesn't really feel like gas. You know, if this is gas, I mean, uh, this is interesting, right? You know, I'm like, I, this is the worst pain I've ever had. 
Um, so the third time I go through my, my third round of chemo and I'm doing chemo at this point every, every two weeks. And I would do it all day on Monday. And then I would do it for, I would take a, take a, uh, basically an IV bag filled with chemo home for 48 hours. So I had three days, three days on and 11 days off. So I get to my third round of chemo and same thing happens to me in the middle of the night and starting to increase. I'm starting to have it about every eight hours. It's not having every 24 hours, but for the first from Monday till Thursday, it was happening about every eight hours. I, again, I called the hotline. And they thought, well, maybe you're having a heart attack. And I thought, well, this isn't in my heart. This is in my, this is in my gut, right? So the, uh, the, fourth, um, the fourth round of chemo that I went through, about t- I, I, I go in on Monday, I have my chemo, and then about 10.30 at night that night, and usually they'd started about you know, 3, 4 in the morning, um, I, st- I, I have an attack. And I have not only the, I have a five minute attack, but then 10 minutes later, I have another attack. Um, and then I have another one. And my wife looks at me and she's like, hey, I can't do this all night. We're going to the ER. Um, so we went to the ER and come to find out um, I had acute pancreatitis, which is basically short term pancreatitis. Um, and I had a father, I had a dad, I mean, I had, my, my, my father had had pancreatitis and he got the old fashioned way. Unfortunately, he kind of earned it. <laughs> um, and, you know, they're asking me all these questions like, you know, you, do you drink? Have you been drinking tonight? I'm like, no, I haven't had a drink, you know, since I, I, I don't drink that much and I haven't had a drink, you know, basically since I started, since I got my diagnosis, I want to fight this in the best possible way. Right. I go, I know why you're asking, you know, my dad has pancreatitis. He got it the, he got it the hard way from drinking. And, um, so they, they ran a, um, they ran a lipase test that determines if you have pancreatitis because they didn't look at me. They just looked at me and they treated the symptoms. Right. Um, so come to find out I'm having a less than 0.1%, um, side effect, which is acute pancreatitis for one of the drugs being toxic to my system. Um, and I spent five days in the hospital, you know, just so they can control it. I, you know, you're, you're a runner, you'll understand this. Hopefully your listeners will. Uh, my normal blood pressure is probably 120 over 70, um, resting heart rate anywhere from 43 to 50. Right. Um, and I go, when I go into the hospital, my blood pressure was 180 over 130. Uh, so, so not, not real good. Right. <laughs> uh, but the good news was that we kind of figured out where this was coming from, you know, and, um, the nurse, I, I have a great team, you know, chemo, great nurses, I have great doctors, but, you know, I kind of went back to them the next, the, the next week and they, they took one of the drugs away. And thankfully it was, it was, it was either one of two drugs and they took one away and it didn't happen again. But, you know, I, I kind of, Gave gave a lot of crap. I said, you know, I I told you this wasn't just gas. You know, this one. I said, I'm like, you know, if if everybody was having these kind of pains back there, you wouldn't have anybody in chemo. I mean, everybody would have just given up and and, and left. Um, so fast forward. The good news is, I go back to Mayo. I get my scans. Um, chemo wasn't any fun, obviously, but it did a really really good job. Um, it, it shrunk my tumor um, in my colon from literally five, four to five centimeters all the way down, almost in half. So two to 2.5 centimeters. Um, I had out of the seven spots, in my liver, two of them had completely disappeared. They couldn't find them on, um, any of the scans, the CT or, or the MRI, uh, which was huge. Um, so they decided at that point, um, that they were going to go do surgery. 
And the great news was when, when I got in this plan, the timeline kind of set up that I would be going back to Mayo and doing my scans. And I was going to have like a two-week break. And that break was April 18th. Um, so <laughs> I had told him at the beginning, I said, you know, um, and when I, I told my oncologist, I said, you know, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm running the Boston Marathon in April. And, you know, they're all not, none of them are runners. I actually had a surgeon, a liver surgeon who got it. He's a runner. Uh, but everyone else, all my, all my team was looking at me like, well, that's really great, Phil, but I don't think this is the right year to do that, you know? And I said, well, you know, I, I said, I talked to my coach, who's great, and she had actually had a, had a young runner that she had coached in college um, who had had a brain tumor. Um, and so she kind of knew what to, to she kind of at least knew how to handle it, which, you know, it's terrible that she's had to deal with this, this twice now as a coach. Um, but, you know, she's like, hey, we're just going to take it every day. Um, so what I did was I, you know, the first week I would usually be, I didn't feel real good for about seven days, um, especially when I was dealing with pancreatitis, but I would start feeling better the next week. Um, so I would, you know, literally Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I would run, you know, 35 to 40 miles and then I'd start chemo again. Um, and I wasn't running fast. There was no speed work, no tempo work, anything like that. Right. Um, and I would get slower and slower as I went on through the chemo, but I did in my, in my fourth round of chemo. Um, and I did five before I went to Boston. Um, in my fourth round of chemo, I was able to do a, 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 um, and my, my oncologist set me down that week and basically gave me the lecture, like Phil, I don't want you to do this. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, I didn't want to argue with him, but, I, you know, I politely just said, oh, you know, I just kind of blew it off and I walked out and I'm like, there's no way I'm not doing it. What I hadn't told him was I'm like, Hey, I ran, I ran 12 miles yesterday. I didn't have any issues. You know, I can run 26 and if, and in the worst case scenario, I'll run, you know, my coach and I's plan was we'll just run 13 or 14 and then we'll run, walk it in, or if we got to walk it in the whole rest of the way, that's, that's, that's what we'll do, you know? Um, so it, it worked out that I got to run Boston, which is, which is, as you well know, the running community is awesome. And just be for me, just being able to, to go to Boston and see people that have supported me and been awesome to me. Um, and just to see them and to see them living, you know, some of them were, you know, I ran with a guy, I had trained with a guy qualified in 2019 in Indianapolis. And, um, he's, he's about 10 years younger than me, really good guy. And he had trained done really well. And he was about, he had, he had missed the cutoff. You know, he is five minutes under, he was a sub three, but he was only, his cutoff time was only five minutes. And as, as you well know, um, you know, 20 October, 2021, the cutoff, I think what was like seven, you know, it was the fastest cutoff in history, right? It was crazy. So, you know, he was getting to go back for his first Boston. And, you know, I wanted to be a part of that, you know, things like that. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to be a part of those things to show him the town and be like, Hey, let's go here. Let's, let's, let's do that. You know? And, um, I got to do all those things. And that was really, I mean, it, you know, I, I obviously I ran a lot slower than I had. Um, but I took it all in. Right. I, uh, you know, I made sure I jumped with the kids on the trampolines, um, I, uh, I, 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 uh, I made sure that when I ran through Wellesley that I got a kiss and, um, I had people that I knew that I knew what miles they would be. And, you know, I would stop and give them a hug and, 
Um, I ran with a shirt on the back that had some, 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 it, it talks about cancer and, um, you know, this is, I mean, the people are just awesome to me. You know, I had, I, it was really kind of interesting, Letty. I had a, um, there was three times during the race where literally, I, I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of like, you know, one of those moments, you, 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 I mean, you, you just, it, it happens and you think, wow, that was an amazing moment. Three times during the race, literally somebody put up, came and they put their hand on my back and it was the lightest touch I'd ever had. And all three of them said to me, Hey, we got you. And I mean, you know, it's, I mean, honestly, it still, it still brings tears to my, still brings tears to my eyes today. Um, it just the amount of people that I saw out there, you know, and there's, I mean, I'm not the only one there's, I've talked to people. I mean, you know, Tommy Riv was running this year's Boston, you know, after his huge ordeal, um, I became, I, I don't know if you know, Phil Shen, but I became friends with Phil, you know, I've talked to him about liver cancer. You know, he was running with this a guy who, who had done the transplant with him. There's, you know, it's amazing to me how many people were either, you know, had just came off of a hard cancel battle or, or, or like me, were still in the midst of it, you know, and my, my mom's not a runner, but you know, she's like, Oh, you know, I can't believe you're doing this. And I said, I said, well, you know, I said, it's not just me. I said, the great thing about Boston is you go there and there's 30,000 people that are amazing people in their own right. And I go, you know, it's not, this isn't, I go, if I said, if, if I looked at my core running friends that ran Boston, I'm like, if they got cancer, I think nine out of 10 of them, given the same time frame, would have probably done exactly what I did. You know, they would have said, Hey, there's no way I'm not doing this. You know, I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, and you know, and that was, that was special to be around those kind of people because that, you know, they make you feel so much better and they just lift you up and you think, you know, it, it, things are going to be okay for sure. Um, so. Wow. Phil, holy smokes. I don't even know where to start with, with what you just unpacked, I mean, I knew your story. I didn't know the details that much of it, but um, you're brave, you're crazy, <laughs> you're amazing, <laughs> and you're a typical, just like you said, type A personality runner. And I feel like that's the one thing that can never be taken from us, right? Because no matter what diagnosis we get, we're still runners and I can see why and how anyone in your situation would completely cling on to that and not have that taken from you because you have something a lot of people don't have. It's almost like church, right? I don't, you know, whoever is religious probably can relate to that, but um, it's almost like church. You have this community, you have this thing that you love so much and no matter how bad things are, you can turn around and just still be part of this community where you're not pointed at as, Hey, you're now the cancer guy. Hey, you're now the, the lady with breast cancer. You, you're still a runner above all. So that's really beautiful. Yeah, it, it really was. And I mean, like you said, the running community is a, it, it's a, it's a competitive group, but people root for each other, right? It's, it's, it's very different than, um, than, than a lot of sports, you know, I played tennis. It was a one-on-one. -on -one. I played the person across trust for me. Um, and with running, you know, everybody supports each other, right? Um, if somebody, if somebody beats you and somebody has a better day, there's not that sense of, Oh, you know, kind of dread or, you know, it's like, Hey, great job. And, 
you know, I'm, I'm going to try to figure out how to do better the next time. Right. Exactly. Um, but, yeah. yeah. I feel like that's this big misconception that, you know, runners, when you meet people that are not runners, they say to you, Oh, I don't want to run with you. You're probably faster. And in reality, it doesn't matter how fast or slow we are. We all have fast days. We all have slow days. And the point is we just show up and we're there. So when you and me, when we tell people, Oh, we just run, just come out and run with us. We know we're not judging on pace and we're just going to run with them regardless, because if that's what we say, we're going to do that. But I feel like that's what the difference is between running and tennis and all these other sports that tend to be a little bit more competitive. You're competing against yourself. So I wanted to ask you another question. You know, once you got your diagnosis and you figured out your treatment plan, what were they telling you about the prognosis with what you are dealing with here? Yeah, so um, I had my first meeting with the oncologist who's local. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, the statistics for colon cancer stage four aren't real good, um, at, least, at least in my mind, right? Um, so he says, you know, he sits down with my wife and I, and he says, in two years, there's a 50% chance you'll be alive. And then in five years, there's a 25% chance that you'll be alive. Um, and, you know, that was a pretty sobering conversation, right? I walked out of there and I said to my, I, you know, I told my wife after I walked out of there, I said, you know, I got to just sit down and I got to, I got to think about, you know, I got to re, I got to reset my brain, you know, to what I've just heard. Um, the, the way I looked at it was number one, they're not, the pool that they're talking about isn't me. If they took 10 people uh, or if they had a hundred people that were in that pool, there was in good a shape as mine, as me, um, you know, took good care of their body, worked out a couple of days a week, ran five to six days a week, did those things, didn't drink a lot of alcohol. I didn't, I don't smoke or anything like that. I felt like my odds would be much better than what they were giving me. And I looked at that and I said, you know, I'm not going to accept, I'm not, I'm not going to accept this. Um, I, I, I can't, I can't, I got two kids and a wife. I'm, 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 there's no way that I'm going to accept being, being here at, at, you know, at a 25% rate in five years, I'm not going to accept that. And, you know, that, and that might end up be true, but you know, my mindset is I'm not, I'm not going to accept that. And I said, you know, I, I got to get to, I got to talk to somebody who's going to tell me that we're, we're going to, that this is not going to be easy, but we're going to figure it out. Um, and that's when I went to Mayo. When I got to Mayo, my oncologist view there was that this is curable. You know, this, you know, sure, stage four, but we're not, we're not in that bad of shape. Even my liver surgeon at the time said, hey, you know, you know air quotes, this isn't that bad. of This is a minor surgery. You know, he's like, a, I, I, in my, in my everyday um, practice, I could, you know, I, I could do this every day and, and twice on Sunday. Um, so once I got there and I heard that, it, it boosted my spirits for sure. Um, but, you know, and it's their job to be able to tell, to give you the percentages and, and, and make it real for you. But, you know, as somebody that's pretty, really optimistic, it's a, it's a, it's a scary, it's a scary moment for sure. We didn't tell our girls, my, you know, my wife was scared enough, I think, you know, um, and we didn't tell our girls and I've never, I've never told them the odds. And thankfully they haven't looked them up on Google or, 
anything like that. You know, they just see that dad's dad's getting better and he'll be okay. Right. <laughs> so we did, we tried to try to hide that part from, cause we, cause you know, honestly that, you know, there's damn lies and there's statistics, damn lies and statistics. Right. And I just thought my th- whole thought to myself was they're not looking at people, you know, that maybe they, maybe we're tossing in 50 people that get colon cancer at 70 and they have three comorbidities. I'm not in that same boat. So I, you know, I just tried to look at it from that perspective and that those statistics weren't, didn't apply to me. <laughs> it's a number just so you can kind of have a broader picture, but it, you know, there's too many factors. So given what happened to you, did you have some kind of a relation where you started approaching life differently? What did you learn from this? What does, um, how did this affect you? We all get caught in this world of, you know, we're working 90 hour weeks and maybe we shouldn't. Sure. sure. Yeah. So um, I didn't have any revelations in terms of my job. I have a great, I have a great, I work for a family company. Um, I work for a family company. I have great, you know, it's just a great team to work with. I'm not, I work hard, but I'm not detracting from my overall life. Right. But I did learn, I have learned more in the last six months from this cancer diagnosis that I think I could have ever learned from anything else. Um, And I do want to tell you about, so this is a, this is probably the biggest eye opening moment that I had. Um, I go in for chemo um, in January and I get this, you know, that they come and they, they do, you know, there's a lot of people that just support cancer patients and really trying to make their life easier. Right. So I go in and I get this backpack. They bring me in this backpack and this backpack has all these things you need for chemo. It's a really nice backpack, you know, has a really nice water bottle. It has a blanket. It has some creams. If you're doing radiation, all this, all this stuff. Um, and there's a folder in this backpack and the name of this, the name of this foundation is the I know Jack foundation. Um, and I start reading this and I kind of, I had, I had heard, I had heard about the foundation before it's a foundation in Cedar Rapids, but I didn't know what it was all about. And I start reading this thing and Jack is Jack at five years old was diagnosed with a brain cancer that they didn't have any idea of how to treat it. They didn't even know what it, it didn't even have a name for it at the time. Right. So I get this backpack and I'm reading this kid's story and Jackson remission now, by the way, he's 15. Um, but his family decided that they wanted to basically make, you know, <laughs> the, they want to make some lemonade out of the, the lemons that they had been dealt. And I'm reading through this thing and I'm like, here's this family. And they just, you know, they've been through a really, really tough time. And, um, you know, I'm as, I just try to, I don't want to sugarcoat anything, but I've never been, you know, I've always cared about certain things, but I've always been kind of the guy that writes a check. You know, if, if, if I care about something, I'll just write the check. Right. I mean, I'll go to a 5K race or something for breast cancer or things like that, right? But I have never really gotten that involved with, with you know, with the charitable organization. Um, 
it's not my love language. <laughs> it's, you know, they say your love languages. That's, that's, that's not my love language. Um, but throughout this process, I, I reached out to him and I, and um, his mom runs the foundation. And I said, you know, I just think this is awesome what you guys are doing. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, that's the kind of person I am. I, I want to turn a negative into a positive. And I said, you know, I want to do, I said, we got this great platform of Boston, right? Like, why don't we do something to help this foundation out? Um, so what we did is we worked. So Jack went to a camp called Children's Cancer Connection. And basically all they do is they send kids to, to they send kids to camp that have cancer. And why that's really important is they put in the, they put in place the infrastructure so these kids can be as normal as possible. They have doctors there, they have nurses there, and these kids are there with other kids that have cancer. And, you know, I mean, some of these kids go through, you know, it isn't really easy what they go through, right? And it's really important for those kids, you know, five to, you know, from two to 15 years old, it's, it's important for them to be a kid, right? We all remember being a kid, you know, just imagine having cancer. So I said, I said to my wife, I, I, I called up, I called up the, I got in touch with the person that ran this foundation. Her name's Jen Hoger. And, um, I said, you know, Hey, I, I want to do something for you guys. I said, you know, here's, here's the deal. I'm going to be running Boston. And I, I think I can raise some money. And, um, I got in touch with the children's cancer connection. They put a website together for me and we started, we started putting the story out online and, Honestly, at the beginning, I thought maybe I'll maybe we'll raise five hundred, a thousand bucks. I would have been psyched if we raised a thousand bucks, you know. And I thought well, that would have been great. Um, and the first week, we raised like twenty five hundred bucks, and I thought, wow, this is this is awesome. Um, and you know, kept going, and I, I, you know, I started becoming really, you know, I was really passionate about it. I'm like, you know, here's these unbelievable people that are just been put through the ringer and had a kid that's been put through the ringer you know that they're, they're still dealing with the after effects and all they want to do is help other people that are going through cancer and um so we you know we kept doing it um we ended up raising thirteen thousand three hundred bucks um in six weeks and you know we, we're going to send 12 kids to to camp I think we're going to buy like 65 backpacks, 65, 66 backpacks. So when other cancer patients come in, um, and if you're listening to this podcast, even if you don't live in um, the Iowa area, you know, they, they'll send backpacks to, they've sent backpacks to Japan. So if you want a backpack, please, you know, get, get in touch with Letty and then she can get in touch with me and be, I'll be happy to make sure that you get one out there. So what I found out was that what I realized was that, um, being able to help other people was a huge win for me. Um, because I got to take, I got to have a, have a goal or like a training plan, you know, like I was doing a race. I got to have a mission and I didn't think about all the BS that I was dealing with as much. Um, because I was more excited about raising money to help other people that I know there's other people that are going through cancer that are in a way off, way, in a way off worse way than I am. Um, and that was, you know, that became a huge blessing for me because that wasn't something that 
that was really in my wheelhouse before this whole thing happened. Um, and it's something that, you know, I, I want to run the six majors. Um, you know, there's some wild races that I want to run out there, maybe a Western States or something like that. And, um, I like to climb mountains and I, I like to do fun stuff and, um, and I like to do hard things. Right. And every time I do one of those things going forward, um, I'm running Chicago. Um, hopefully everything works out with chemo. I'm going to run Chicago in October. Um, and every time I do that, I'm going to raise money for, for, for cancer, for, for cancer causes. Um, so that has been, and, and don't get me wrong. I've always loved people. I'm a people person. I, I love people to death. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm never, my wife would tell you, I've never met a stranger. You know, I talked to the guy at the bus station for an hour and she's like, come on, we got to go. Right. Um, that's, but that has been a huge, huge, I guess, revelation for me. And I can't, you know, if 20% of cancer has been bad, I think 80% of it has been good. And that's been my biggest takeaway from this is there's a lot of great people out there. And there's a lot of people that will support you when you're going through cancer. Um, and, you know, it's my job to, I mean, I think it's, I, I, I've always believed in paying it forward. You know, I want to give back to, 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 I want to give back to others like they're giving, giving to me. I think this is great that you're helping. And you've also created a lot of movement by using the phrase tell five, because I know you and I were friends on Facebook. I see you posting yep. in different platforms. So maybe you can tell our listeners about the whole tell five people as well. Yeah. Th thanks so much for bringing that up, Leigh. So um, part of this thing is, is, is we wanted to make sure that people, you know, we, we, when you get a major diagnosis or especially a cancer diagnosis, The, the number one question I always get is, um, how can we help? And thankfully we're in a position that we don't need, we don't need a whole lot of help. We have great, we have a great support system. Um, we have insurance we're covered there. I have, we have, my wife and I have both have great careers. Um, and so we said, we're like, you know, what can we do with that? Right. So we decided to, we, we, we started a website and the whole idea is, When somebody asks me, you know, what can I do? We say, all right, here's what you can do. You got to get your colonoscopy as soon as you turn 45. And we need you to tell five friends to get their colonoscopies at 45. And the whole idea behind that is it's a simple thing to do. Um, it's a really easy thing to, to ask. If you think about it, you have five, you know, you're, you usually can count your five best friends on, on your hand, right? Um, so just go to your five closest friends, the people you really care about it, and then look at it and say, hey, you know, all I have to do is convince them to get their colonoscopy at 45. And not only not 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 only by you getting your colonoscopy at 45, you may be able to save one of your best friend's life in that in that friend group of five. Um, and then we're you know, we're encouraging people to um We're encouraging people to 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 spread that word and talk to their other friends. We're going to do different things with it. Our goal will be to start a foundation at some point once we've kind of gotten through through the treatment and you know get into a place where we could we could focus on it. Um, like I said, do 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 different things. Um, but we really wanted to, we really would like to see tell five friends go go viral because it's a simple thing, right? It's it's you're just you're telling your five friends that, hey, I need you to get a colonoscopy at 45 because I care about you. And the other big thing is I want people to know, you know, just tell my story. 
I was the last person that anybody in my friend group would have ever thought would have gotten cancer. When I talked to people, you know, when I told them that I got diagnosed, I had stage four cancer. I was not the poster child. You know, they, they looked at me and they thought, well, you just ran the Boston Marathon. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Really? You know, that's crazy. Right. So I encourage them to tell others my story because it brings it home and it makes it real. Um, we're in the process. We're going to put a, we're going to put as many stories like mine on there. I've talked to several other people, um, but we're going to put their stories up and we're going to put other people that are fighting against cancer or their survivors. And we want to put it, we really want to put a face to colon cancer. Um, we do an awesome job in the world of promoting or talking about breast cancer and other cancers. Colon cancer has kind of been, I don't know if it's like it's it's like hidden away, right? It's kind of icky. Nobody wants to talk about a colonoscopy. But the fact is, if we don't talk about it, then people don't go get their colonoscopies. And, you know, the, right now it's the number one killer in cancers in men under 50. And if you get it, if you catch it early and you get your colonoscopy and you get it in stage one or stage two, it's very curable. But if you wait, it, it becomes a little bit much more difficult. So the earlier people can get them and don't wait till 50, you know, I, I give my story. If I wait till 50, I'm dead. If I wait six months, I'm dead. You know, I had a doctor that was proactive and knew me and was smart enough to, to say, Hey, Phil, you need to get this done. Um, and, you know, I know people don't like telling people what to do, but when you're with your five best friends, you can tell them, you can have that conversation and say, Hey, you know what? I care enough about you that I want you to be around and I need you to get your colonoscopy for me. Um, and we've had a lot of people. I've I probably had over 100 friends get them. Um, and, and I asked them to call me and tell me how the results went, right? I've had very good. We've had very good results up until about a week ago. Um, I've had two friends have have polyps. Um, I just had a, had a friend recently that was diagnosed at 39 with colon cancer. But the great news is she's stage two. Um, and it should, you know, sh should be very beatable. Uh, but that's the idea behind that. So thanks for bringing that up because that's definitely, that's my new passion project for sure um, is to get that awareness out there and make sure people understand that, you know, colon cancer is, it's a, it's a, it's a nasty disease. It kills a lot of people. And if we do, if, if we get early detection of it, we can save a lot of people's lives. And that's, that's my goal. Every, every life that I can save makes me feel better. So that's our goal with that for sure. Tell five, the number five, friends.org is the website. Um, please bear with us. It's kind of a work in progress. Um, my, my, my wife is, it does most of the technical parts of that. And, um, you know, we've had a busy couple of months, so we're, we're, we're working on it. We're getting there. <laughs> oh, we understand. We understand. And, uh, we'll definitely link this in our show notes as well for people to just be able to click on if they're listening to the podcast on one of the major platforms. And then Phil, what is uh, going to happen for you? What fall races are you kind of looking into? And I do understand that you're probably not going to race them, but you probably have a few of them lined up where um, if and when people want to meet you. Sure. Yeah. And I, I, lo I, I love, I, I love talking to people, uh, love meeting, meeting runners, um, so like I, we talked about earlier, a great community. Um, so I will be able to start running in about two weeks and then I will do chemo for probably from, I would say from two weeks from now, I'll do another seven rounds, which is 14 weeks. 
Um, but they took me off the drug that was causing the pancreatitis. So that's going to make my chemo much easier to tolerate. Um, so I had, uh, I had gotten, I had gotten into Chicago. Um, and you know, there's no, if I ran Boston, there's no reason I can't run Chicago. Um, so I would have run Chicago in October. Um, that's really that, you know, I'm going to try to run some smaller races, my local races, you know, in, in between, but, um, yeah, like you said, my goal is to go out there and enjoy it, um, run another major, and we'll definitely do a fundraising campaign with that. Um, and then hopefully by October, I'll be through the chemo and I could start getting my life back together. And my coach and I could actually go back and, you know, look at things, you know, start, we're going to start over, which would be fine. It'll be, that, that, that'd be kind of fun in itself. So that's awesome. All right. So Phil, if uh, you want to just tell our audience briefly how they can find you social media wise, if somebody wants to follow your story or write, reach out to you directly. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. You can follow, you, you can uh, find me on Facebook and uh, Phil Decker. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm not as active on Instagram, um, but if you want to reach out to me directly on Facebook or, or, or um, instant messenger, and if you're somebody that's newly diagnosed with uh, any kind of cancer, especially colon cancer, um, I've had awesome mentors to me that have been through this before. And again, I'm trying to pay it forward. I'm happy to talk to you. Um, I don't care if you, you know, you don't know me from Adam. Um, you know, the people that have helped me through this are people that weren't close friends to begin with. And now I do anything for them. So if you find yourself in this boat, don't hesitate to call me. I'm happy. To, it's what I'm here for. Um, the, the, the cancer survivor world is it's, it's a great network and, and, you know, no, nobody fights alone. So, so we'll back you up and, um, please check out our website, tell five friends.org. We'll do a, uh, we'll do a campaign for Chicago. So if you want to donate, we'd love to have your support. And, um, yeah, that's it. Thank you, Phil. Yeah. Thank you, Letty. Thank you, Phil, for coming on and speaking with me. I appreciate your time and, of course, super appreciate everything that you do for the community. And hopefully this podcast will be spread to a lot of people and a lot of good will come of it. Um, like I said, I'm going to link your website in the show notes. And anything else, Ryan, from you? Hopefully people can take this and it can motivate them to exercise but not only exercise, but also, you know, keep up with your screening and talk to your doctors. Yes. Couldn't have said any better. All right. Until next week. Happy running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running. <laughs>